The year was 1962. It was a bright Saturday and you could hear the gentle swaying of the coconut trees in the breeze along a sleepy coastal town of Kerala. Reverend Father Peter Bernard Pereira heard a knock on his door. And outside stood a gentleman clad in a kurta. The father invited him into his cottage and Dr. Vikram Sarabhai walked in. In the village of Tumba where the Reverend Father and Dr. Sarabhai sat chatting, there must have been a few lanes, a railway station about a couple of kilometers away and a handful of fishermen's huts. Dr. Vikram Sarabhai sat there speaking to the Reverend Father about his grand vision for a space program for India. How he believed sending rockets into space was going to help people in every corner of the country get more food. How children in remote villages could get better access to education. How fishermen and farmers would be better armed with information so they could earn a good livelihood. The Reverend Father sat patiently hearing him. He was trying to understand what Dr. Sarabhai wanted from him. In the end, Vikram Sarabhai asked the father, Reverend Father, for India to set up its first base for its space program and to send its first rocket into space. Could you give us this church, your cottage, and all the land belonging to the fishermen of Tumba? You know, for all our listeners, uh, if you're wondering why this place, why this fishing hamlet of Tumba? Tumba stands right along the magnetic equator and along the coast of the Arabian Sea. Now, unlike the geographic equator that we have all read about in our textbooks, the magnetic equator runs in a wavy line across the earth, not a straight line. And locations on the magnetic equator and along a coast are highly prized by scientists to conduct research in space. So the Reverend Father heard him out, smiled and asked Dr. Sarabhai to come back the next day. The next morning, at the Sunday Mass, the Father addressed his congregation. He said, My children, I have a famous scientist with me who wants our church, the place I live in, and all your homes for the work of space science and research. Spiritual preachers like me take the help of Almighty to bring peace to human minds. Whereas scientists seek truth that enriches human life. In short, what Vikram is doing and what I am doing are the same. Both seek the Almighty's blessings for human prosperity in mind and body. So children, can we give Dr. Sarabhai this God's abode for a scientific mission? There was a stunned silence in the church for a little while. And a hearty Amen soon followed from the entire congregation. And thus began India's space journey from the Church of Mary Magdalene in Tumba. Fast forward to the year 2013, 
India became the first country ever to successfully send in its maiden attempt itself an interstellar rocket to Mars. No other country had accomplished this in its first attempt itself. Fast forward to the year 2023, India successfully sent its third mission to the moon, Chandrayaan-3. And ISRO readies itself for future launches to the Sun, Jupiter and much more. In this podcast series, we trace India's space journey filled with stories of stellar successes, lots of failures and some incredibly funny coincidences that have made ISRO the most efficient space program in the entire world. Hi, this is Sangeeta from What's New Today, a podcast channel about current events shaping our world. For those of our listeners who've heard episodes on this channel before, you must know that I usually don't just narrate stories. I sit down to chat with children to hear what their perspectives are. So in this podcast series too, I sat down to chat with many children from around the country to understand how rockets and astronauts capture their imagination, what they make of the stories about India's space journey in the early years, how they imagine what life must have been for our scientists sitting in a tiny little fishing hamlet or in a church in Tumba and assembling the first rocket with their bare hands. Hi there, I'm Satvik. I'm nine years old. I study in fourth grade Children's Academy Thakur Complex, Mumbai, India. My favorite hobbies are playing badminton and building Lego. Hi Satvik, did you get to see the Chandrayaan 3 launch? Coincidentally, my library period and the launch was all together, means the timings were same, coincidentally by the way. So I got to see the Chandrayaan 3 live launch. I felt like uh, very amazing that our country is doing it for the third time. And we have a very good comeback after the fail of Chandrayaan 2, which is very awesome. I'm Ria. I'm 12 years old. I study in the 8th grade at Dean's Academy, Bangalore. My favorite hobbies are playing basketball and reading books. Hi, Ria. Do you find rockets fascinating? What fascinates me the most about any rocket launch is the fact that even with all that weight pulling it back, it's able to fly up into space. Wonderful. Um, Now, because this is a podcast series about space. Is there any books that you all have read about space that you really, really loved? Yeah, once I read a, um, it's a book, I clearly don't remember the name, but it was about Neil Armstrong, that how he became, a, how he became an astronaut and when did he step on the moon and how did he become the first man to ever step on the moon and which rocket did he travel from? Any story from that book that you remember? No, it was very old. Since I was very <laughs> young when I read it. <laughs> this happened a long time ago. And you're what, eight years old, nine years old? Yeah, I'm going to become 10 this October. Okay, get it. Ria, any book that you've read about space that fascinates you? Uh, yeah, I read a book by Lucy and Stephen Hawking, George's Secret Key to the Universe. And it's about black holes. So yeah, I liked it. Any one thing from that book that 
has stuck in your mind? Uh, yeah, there was a chapter. I'm not sure whether it's actually true. But there was a chapter chapter on how you can escape from a black hole. So mm-hmm. I like that. Sounds interesting. Almost as interesting as how to figure a way of escaping from a boring class in school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Except okay. Escaping from a black hole would be easier. <laughs> All right. Okay, I hope that today's stories that we'll keep in this podcast will be a little bit more thrilling and enlightening. When you think of rockets, we usually think of rockets going up into space, right? But the earliest rockets were not used for anything that had to be sent up to space. Can you take a guess why the earliest rockets were used? I'll give you a hint. Okay, uh, in I'll battle. Give... Yes. In battle to give warnings to people. <laughs> Interesting. It wasn't to give warnings to people. It was actually to use rockets in which they put arrows with uh, which were lit with fires at the end of the arrows, and they would fire the rockets um, in a battle between two tribes in China. So the rocket would fly from one tribe and fall on another tribe. So the earliest ever recorded use of a rocket, it was sometime um, in the 12th century. The Chinese and the Mongols were at war with each other. Uh, at the Battle of Kai Keng, so the Chinese were being attacked by Mongol invaders and they used arrows that were fired using rockets to repel the invaders and save their territory. Interesting? Yeah, pretty much. I didn't think that rockets were that old. Right? Yeah. Now coming to the story uh, that this podcast series is trying to chronicle, right? The entire journey of India's space. When we think of countries who've done some really, really great work in space program, which countries come to your mind? Russia, Mm -hmm. USA and... China. Yeah, the Soviet Union, the USA, China and India because... I'll add a small bit of trivia. When India started its space journey, one of India's neighbors was already ahead of India. Do you know who that was? I think Pakistan. Yeah. Pakistan was really not very far off. Um, in, fact, in fact, their space program was even ahead. But today their space program is nowhere near where Uh, many of the other countries' space programs are. And I think we owe a lot of it to one man. Do you know the name of the father of India's space program? Vikram Sarabhai. Yes. What do you know about Vikram Sarabhai? He lived in the 1960s and 1970s, I think. And he, along with a friend of his, Homi Baba, they, they oversaw the first rocket launch. Yep. That is very true. We We owe a lot of India's space program. Uh, to these two people, both Vikram Sarabhai and Homi J. Baba. In 1947, after India has got its independence, do you think we were a very rich country? No, we were still poor. We were very poor. So for us, what would have been a priority was to give enough food, clothing and shelter to everyone. Getting um, people to launch rockets go up into space that would have never been a priority 
for a lot of countries which would have been in india situation right but vikram sarabhai and homi j baba both were very convinced that india must have a space program to get people enough food shelter and space so at this point in time vikram sarabhai did not want to get into this business of sending a man to space you know getting a man to land on the moon he had no interest in all of that he was very clear that the space program had to help the common man in india it had to help everybody whether he's a farmer or a teacher or a banker or whatever it was the work that he did it had to help every person in india he knew india didn't have the money for all of these space programs right at that point in time the united nations wanted to set up a center where some experiments could have been conducted so vikram sarabhai was a very smart man so he knew what india's priorities were he knew we didn't have the money for all these fancy rocket building ideas right so he went to the united nations and he said that if you all want to conduct these brilliant experiments we have we have a fantastic location in india which is right on the magnetic equator and uh, y'all can come and launch your rockets in india uh, from our rocket launching station at the time he was telling them he didn't even have a rocket launching station but he went and pitched he said we will create these great rocket launching stations and then any country in the world which needs to do such experiments about rockets and if you all want to launch rockets you if you want to conduct the experiments along the magnetic equator this can be a great location so do you think he was very smart yeah, why because, you because because he anyway wanted to build the rocket but they didn't have the money and when he heard about this he went and pitched it forward so that they had the money to build the rocket and they anyway had a great location and while dr sarabhai was engaging closely with the world scientific community and the united nations india's scientists were feverishly working on getting our first rocket launch ready you know as i was researching about this space journey i came across a few very interesting black and white pictures from the early days of the activity in tumba The first is a picture of a few parts of a rocket being transported on a bicycle and uh, the rocket parts I'm told were later assembled inside the local school St Louis High School. The second is a picture of Dr Homi Baba and Dr Sarabhai standing on the beaches of Tumba watching the first sounding rocket taking off from Indian soil. This was a picture taken on 21st November 1963 and alongside them stood some of the earliest members of ISRO's core team one of them being Dr Abdul Kalam another is Dr EV Chitnis who is probably Dr Vikram Sarabhai's right hand man The third is a really interesting picture one of my favorites it's a picture taken on the same day of a large group of young boy scouts and many local villagers standing in their signature dhotis all looking up into the sky with some degree of awe and fear 
The last is a picture very commonly found on many ISRO brochures. It's a picture of two scientists sitting on the floors of the church at Tumba and assembling the payload for a sounding rocket launch. One of them is Dr. R. Aravamudan, who later went on to head the entire facility in Tumba and subsequently at Sri Harikota. And sitting next to him is a young Dr. Abdul Kalam. I found these pictures illustrating makes it quite easy to understand what life must have been like for the space scientists in the early days of our space program. They must have just had to roll up their sleeves and get working with whatever infrastructure was available then. If you visited Tumba today, which is a short hop from the Tiruvananthapuram airport, you can find the church with the statue of Mary Magdalene intact. In the early days, the prayer room of the church became the first laboratory for our space scientists. The bishop's room became the first design and drawing office. And a room in Reverend Father Pereira's house became Dr. Abdul Kalam's office. Today, the church has become a space museum and its facade has been maintained the exact same way as it was when Father Pereira handed it over to Dr. Sarabhai. If you love space, you can find models of some of the earliest satellites and satellite launch vehicles designed by our space scientists. You could also visit the Bishop's Cottage. In fact, Dr. Kalam, after he became the President of India, was taken to the same room and he was shown that nothing much had changed. He sat on that chair once again as cameras clicked away. So if you happen to visit that bishop's cottage today, you can find a simple Spartan room with a photograph of Dr. Kalam sitting in that chair placed on the same table with a small bunch of plastic flowers in front of them. The stories in this episode have been sourced from the autobiography of Dr. Abdul Kalam, a biography of Dr. Vikram Sarabhai by Amrita Shah and ISRO, A Personal History by R. Aravamudan. In the next episode on this series, you'll get to hear about how Dr. Sarabhai and his team went hiking through forests to find their most perfect satellite launching site.